When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These are the Keishi Tapes. Uman and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on Keishi, the longest-running rock station in the country. And welcome to the Keishi Tapes podcast. I'm John Hewlett. I'm Favaz. And today we're going to do an interview that I did back in 1980 with Justin Hayward of the Moody Blues. And it's not just an interview. He came in and he did the lunch show with me as I think we featured Moody Blues music. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, and he sat in there for a while, so this could be rather lengthy. I don't know. We'll see uh, how long it goes. Yeah, I just love his voice, man. Uh, uh, I, his voice is spot on. Concert, yeah, recorded, doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't. I barely remember this happening. And mm-hmm. if I wouldn't have run across this tape, I would have totally forgotten that it even happened. Right, right. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Again, 1980. Man, 90, 2002. 42 years ago. 42 years ago. And the tape, this tape has been sitting in this box and in various basements at my house for that long. That it, It's unreal. And I've never listened back to it. I have no idea what I'm going to run into here. You know, I wonder what album he was promoting. It was a solo album, 1980. This 1980. Was this, and this was uh, August 28th, 1980. Okay. Oh, you even know, oh, because the date's written on there. One of the few good record-keeping things I did on my tapes. Okay, go ahead. Start it up. We'll, we'll go. This is KC95, and you just heard new music from RAF, and the name of the song is Give Me a Little Time. Before RAF, I remember RAF, uh, Royal Air Force, uh, something wow, around there. Wow, I don't oh, remember that band at all. I know, isn't that crazy? Uriah Heap, it's 15 after 12, and we are now going to begin our lunch program. After these words, Justin Hayward has just entered the studio, and we'll talk with Justin and listen to music from the Moody Blues, and also music from Justin's new solo LP, after these words. So his new solo LP, but Moody Blues also had in 1981 Long Distance Voyager mm-hmm. come out. That was 81. Yeah, 81. Okay, this, this is 82, you no, said? No, this is 80. This is 80. Yeah, uh, yeah had, they had nothing in, in 80. They were working on the new album, Long Distance Voyager, and what was the solo album? Do you see in his solo? Uh, no, I don't have his solo stuff. Oh. I just have Moody Blues. Central Hardware. And the sideshow. Central Hardware. <laughs> This evening at 6 o'clock features side two of the new LP from Gamma. It's called Gamma 2. Join Kenny Suter for that again at 6 o'clock. The Sideshow, Casey Sideshow. In the studio with me right now, Justin Hayward of the Moody Blues. And Justin. Moody Blues. <laughs> I was with say a solo that. career now, which has been a few years now. You've been doing yeah, the solo think, thing a while. Yeah, the last. Yeah, well, I've been doing. My first solo album was out in 77. Mm-hmm. And then I did the thing with uh, an album called The War of the Worlds with Jeff Wayne, who produced this new. Uh, the new Night Flight album. Right, right. The War of the Worlds has. That's the song with uh, Forever Autumn. Forever. Right? Yes. Love that song. Yep. It came up for that, too. Yeah, that's right. Song Forever called Forever Autumn. Autumn yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is still going, actually, different places around the world, I'm amazed to say. Still in the charts in Australia, and it's been in the charts in England now for two and a half years, which I find amazing. And I understand that Nights in White Satin, the song that you wrote, yeah. has made an amazing uh, comeback in, in UK. It. Yeah, it has, yeah. It's the third time it was. It got to number four over there, just before Christmas, this last Christmas gone, mm-hmm. which is the third time it's been in the top ten. It's quite amazing. Wow, now, wow is that amazing? 
Yeah. And who would have thought years later that you would make, you know, a Casey parody of yeah. that, <laughs> you know, Knights yeah. at White Castle. Yeah, that would probably have been about uh, nine years later. Yeah. The original version, that's not a remake. The, no, no, that's the no. original version that was first released on November the 11th, 1967. That's fantastic. Have any, any other songs ever done that? No, I don't think so. I remember, I remember all the statisticians looking it up, you know, and uh, they found Rock Around the Clock had come back a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it's, I, I think it's just one of those th- songs, it's obviously means a lot to a lot of people, you know, it's a personal feeling for a lot of people, and it seems a whole new generation discovers it each time. Now, is that, that's interesting, because I would say now, especially on, on rock stations like KC95, that song doesn't get played anymore. No. You know? and, and there was a time, and I, and I mentioned this maybe in another podcast or somewhere the, the trifecta of ultimate rock classics was Freebird mm-hmm. or Freebird Leonard Skinner Layla Derek and the Dominoes and Knights in White Satin by the Moody Blues hmm. but since rock radio got harder I guess because uh, we you know we don't play as much mellow stuff that song for whatever reason of the three of them has faded after after being number one three times on some charts where does Stairway to Heaven fit yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good one too. Yeah. To think about, but yeah. wow, yeah. And it was a trifecta, yeah. The, and it would have been four. <laughs> that would have been the Mount Rushmore, yeah, the Mount Rushmore. Songs. Definitely a test of time song. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and plus it came out at a time when things were kind of topsy turvy in this whole that's US right. of A, and and yeah, and maybe that has a lot to do with the. the yeah, the I mean, we were talking to someone about programming yesterday, and I said, my God, that you know, like. If you'd have been around when Nights in White Sudden came out, because that was the, everybody said, "Oh no, it's too slow, it's too long, it's four mm-hmm. and a half minutes long." Mm-hmm. No, it'll never make a hit record. And they actually released something else here. They released a song called Tuesday Afternoon from the same album here mm-hmm. first, and then Nights was the second single, and then slowly began to make it. You know, I bet you faced that a lot back in those days when people would come to you and say, "No, this is too slow, and this is too slow," because it was a rock and roll era, definitely. That's right. Yeah. Well, we, we've always believed in making music and trusting our own judgment and music that we believed in. Fortunately, we're, we had the, um, you know, we were lucky to have the, the studio time and the freedom to be able to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. They stuck to their guns. I mean, uh, to- I mean, they, you, it's obvious they did. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's, there's, there's nobody that sounds like the Moody Blues. You know, mm-hmm. let's listen to uh, some Moody Mo- Moody Blues music. What's the name yeah. of your group again? And uh, <laughs> that young and talented English group. Exactly. Um, we're in the middle of lunch. Yeah. So let's sit this back and listen. Okay. This is Casey. Okay, we, we can't play music nope, here. So can't play. I have no idea what I was talking to him about when this music was playing. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> kind of strange just sitting across yeah. the table from somebody like that. But maybe he was taking calls. I don't know. You're tuned to Casey Radio, and we're in the middle of lunch today. Justin Hayward is our guest live in the studio. We're playing Moody Blues music today. And also, uh, we'll get into Justin Hayward's new solo LP. Today's lunch program is brought to you by St. Louis Photo. St. Louis Photo invites you to a Zebrachrome color printing demonstration this weekend. It's easy and fun to print your own color slides. And this weekend at St. Louis Photo, Zebrachrome representative Alan Gelman will be on hand to show you just how... I hear he's very good. How much fun color printing can be? he's alive. Yeah, really. St. Louis Photo, are they even in business anymore? I don't think so. Probably not. I don't think so. You've read about it. Okay, we're back with Justin Hayward. And... uh, the last LP by the Moody yeah. Blues, Justin. <clears throat> octave. octave. Yeah. I've heard it pronounced many different ways. Octave, octave. Yeah. 
We were never quite sure. Yeah. Seventh <laughs> Sojourn was the worst one to pronounce, whether it should be Sojourn or Sojourn. Or really? What. I can't yeah. imagine that. That's well, what I never had Maybe straightforward with. here in St. Louis. <laughs> really? But um, uh, that obviously was the last LP by the band. Yeah. And, and to you, did it have a different sound from things of the past? I think it did. I could see a change coming, you know. And mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of it was due to the things that we'd done on our own. We needed to be on our own. I mean, I was quite choked when the band split in 74, I must say, because we... He was quite choked. Seemed to be <laughs> right at the top then. And I was chafed. Crazy at that time. But looking back now, it was the best thing, because I think if we'd have stayed together another year after that, we could have split never to come back together again. How did that develop, the split? Um, it, we, we'd been on the road for about two years. A lot of commitments had caught up with us, and we started into a long world tour, which, which lasted nearly two years. And I think, in the end, we'd been together about ten years before that, and we'd been sitting in the back of the same van together, you know, mm-hmm. and been every, I'd been to the same place as everyone else. You knew what everyone was going to say before they were saying it. You know, you know somebody would only have to say, do you remember when? And you'd say, yeah, that's right, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember that. Well, that, you know, everybody knew. Now that makes a good radio team if you can do that kind of stuff. But uh, when it comes to a band like that, I guess it's no. uh, not good. Everything about everybody else. And um, I think we needed some time away from each other to put our own lives in order, work with other musicians, and just do different things, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was very healthy. Also, within a year of the split, fortunately, there was never one of those big rows where things got said which couldn't be unsaid you know mm-hmm. like I never said oh I never want to see you lot again exactly. like we just drifted apart and within a year after that uh, we already knew that we were going to come back together which made it very hard when we were being interviewed because the first question anybody would say was are the Moody Blues going to get back together and, and we knew very well that they were mm-hmm. but we couldn't actually nobody was actually going to say yes until we had that tape of Octave in our hands I could always remember the rumors though the rumors oh, yeah, definitely sure. were there the Moody Blues are getting back together the Moody That's Blues right. Yeah. But you never actually said it. They were just no. rumors. No. But no. you wanted to say it. We wanted to say it because yeah. we knew. We knew, like, 18 months up front of recording Octave, when we were going to do it, where we were going to do it, and how, you oh, know, wow. a little bit. When you yeah. got back together and, yeah. and you got on stage for the yeah. first time again, where was that, by the way? Uh, it was in um, in Germany. It was actually in Nuremberg, in Germany, the first, first date we did together. And you got back. It was was there a lot of pressure? I mean... <clears throat> you had something to live up to. You had a past to live up to, and people have been waiting a long time for the show. Yeah, uh, review anybody who wrote for anybody was probably there in the audience. That's right. Yeah. Was there a lot of pressure? Uh, well, fortunately, we'd had our uh, we'd had Octave had come out about six months before that, and it and it had done very well, and we're still doing very well at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, but always in the back of the, our minds, we were thinking, you know, like, is it going to be as big as it was before? And mm-hmm. uh, and are we going to be received and are they going to remember the stuff and everything and um, actually it was better it was better than ever before it seems like what people can't have for a while they want even more you know it's crazy and um, it's even the the audience seemed to be wider when we came over here we had a new keyboard player a guy called Patrick Moraes which is the one change Patrick Moraes wow that's a big name right there yeah I think he played with Yes for a while didn't he I think so Yeah. Mm -hmm. and he's excellent added a whole new dimension to the band but um, it was better, it really was. The audience seems to have grown up with us. They, some were even bringing their kids, you know. A lot of young young people there. And uh, well, In 1980, he's talking about his, his fans bringing their kids in 1980. Because they started in 67. So, 77. That's only 13 years after they started. Mm-hmm. They must have been babies. Yeah, they... they... <laughs> Couldn't have 
Yeah. I mean, I'm 57 and I was born in 65. Yeah. So you figure another 10 years maybe or so. Yeah. They're, they're now in their mid 40s. And I saw him the last time he was here in St. Louis at River City Casino and, and uh, people had their great, 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 great grandkids with them. <laughs> to be a much wider audience now, whereas before it was definitely confined to a sort of hippie kind of, but nice, mm-hmm. and lovely people kind of audience, but of a particular age group. But now it's really wide and right across the board. To see that change come about in the age of people who listen to your, who are listening to your music yeah. has got to be a rewarding thing. When it spans oh, sure. from 40 years old to 8 years old, that's got to yeah. be something. Well, A lot of 8-year-old Moody Blues fanatics. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're abandoned, and I personally receive an incredible amount of mail. I think it's the kind of music where people... Mail? What's that? Yeah. <laughs> you have mail. <laughs> feel that, that they, they can put down their thoughts in writing and, and, and send a letter to you. Mm-hmm. And often don't ask for replies, you know, because um, they just want to tell you how they feel. And from those letters, I get so many from young kids like 13, 14 years old who say, well, I've just bought Night Flight or... I've just gotten into drugs and I'm just <laughs> wondering, tell me some of the meanings of these... What's your favorite run? Yeah, what do you mean from our children's 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 children? <laughs> I don't get it. I, uh... Or Octave or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I've realized what a past you have, you know, and now I'm saving up to buy Days of Future Past and see where it exactly. all started from. Exactly. It's amazing. Let's get back to some music now. Moody Blues for lunch today. Just I have no more questions. <laughs> and Hayward is in the Everything studio. Everything's more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Live at KSHE. Name of the song is The Story in Your Eyes. Ooh, good one. All right, we can't... We'll be editing here. This is KC95. We started going to uh, Knights and White Satin there, Justin. We'll hold off on that one until okay. close to the end, okay? We're speaking with Justin Hayward. This is KC95, and we'll speak more with Justin as he's here for lunch today after these words. Everyone in the senior class. Duck to check it on box office or dial ticks 5690500. You will offer no resistance. Queen. Queen tickets available oh. at all the regular ticket outlets. The real queen. Wow. That's neat. In the studio with me now is Justin Hayward of the Moody Blues. Justin is in town on a promotional tour for his new LP, so it's, it's nothing like a concert or anything like that. The last song we played, Justin, was called Melancholy Man, written yeah. by Michael Pinder, who's no longer That's with right, the band. Yeah. No, Mike's a dear friend. I, I miss Mike very much, actually, because he was his songs I always enjoyed doing most. He was my favorite, really. Mm-hmm. But I could see during the making of the Octave album that um, he, he wasn't feeling the same about it as everyone else was. What do you mean? Um, well, he, he just didn't... I, I mean, so, some people's priorities... In, my, my priority is always music, number one. Mm-hmm. And I think his priorities changed. Ever since the Moody split, I think he drifted further away from it than anybody else. He wanted to become a poem group. Uh, because uh, he did most of the readings of oh, the uh, oh that guy did yeah yeah, yeah oh. Michael Pinder's the, vo- right. the vocal the, the d- doing the the reading the speaking part in breathe uh, deep yeah he did that part yeah that was wow. Michael Pinder yeah mm-hmm. oh just yeah. away from the moody scene or from music away period. from the away from the moody moody scene and music period mm-hmm. and um, it's a shame I miss him very much he's a very talented man but I have to respect that other people have different priorities in life and want to do different things. Mm-hmm. And so um, after Octave, he only had one song on Octave and wasn't there for most of the time. Mm-hmm. But um, And then um, after that, he really decided that he didn't really want to do it anymore, And which is where we, we started with Patrick. And Patrick Moraes is now a fully-fledged member of the band and working with us on the new album. Is Michael Pinder doing anything? <clears throat> Not that I know of. I've sp- I spoke to him quite recently, but um, he wasn't. He didn't talk about anything musical that he was doing. Mm-hmm. He lives in Hawaii now. As a matter he of was time. breathing deep. 
<laughs> oh, does he? Yeah. He lives in Hawaii. Why'd you have to <coughs> tell us that, Justin? <coughs> Winter's coming, you're telling us that uh, Michael Pinder's in Hawaii. Okay. Uh, <laughs> little humor. <laughs> uh, Made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, really. I, I miss him very much, you know, but like I say, I can respect his attitude and his point of view. Mm-hmm. And John Lodge? Uh, John's fine. We, we, he's working in the studio, of course, on the new Moody's. Everybody's mm-hmm. doing their own different things as well. And I know Ray's, Ray Thomas has got some things in the can. You put out an LP. Own. Ray Thomas passed away in the last year and a half or so, yeah. two years, something like that. Mm-hmm. John Lodge? That's right. We had an album together right after the Moody Splits uh, called Blue Jays, which I enjoyed sure. very much. Mm-hmm. I love that album. Mm. Got two Casey classics to come off of that. I Dreamed uh-huh. Last Night and uh, mm-hmm, I can't think of the other one off the top of my head. And we toured with that. <clears throat> I enjoyed that whole exercise very much. Mm-hmm. Graham Everybody, Edge. Yeah, Graham's had a couple of solo albums out. I don't think Graham's done anything on his own right now, but uh, I enjoyed Graham's albums a lot. You know, They we were so different. It. They were so different to anything in the Moody Blues that I could really... They were the one set of albums from other guys that in the band that I could really be set myself apart from and, and listen to constructively. Mm-hmm. It know. didn't sound like the Moody Blues is what no, you're No, exactly, no. Yeah. We still play at uh, Paradise Ballroom. Oh, yeah. That was a pretty big hit here. Yeah, it was a good album. Radio. And Remember that song? Paradise nope. Ballroom, Paradise Ballroom. No. Especially the way you sing it. No. Uh, one other guy, Ray Thomas. Ray, yeah, Ray's doing things on his own, and he's got, like I say, he's got a couple of things in the can. And he's Didn't I ask what Ray Thomas wants already? Then we went he, back mentioned, he mentioned Ray oh, Thomas, oh, I think. okay. Living down in Wales now, right in the west of England, mm-hmm. and sort of commuting backwards and forwards while we've been recording. He's killing whales. I'll be damned. That'd be a horrible. Wow. What a what a change of uh, professions. And of course, Patrick is very prolific in on solo work, and he's had a couple of records out on Charisma, and he's just released an album with a guy who plays panpipes, which is beautiful. Panpipes. Hmm. hmm. Well, you got any panpipes? Panpipes. I, I feel like. <laughs> Doing air drumming to pan pipes. They, they double as a frying pan and they, uh, some sort of a musical instrument. You blow into the handle, I think. I and uh, I think he's one of those, you know, he's kind of a workaholic and he never stops working. He's always doing jazz festivals on his own all over the world mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, jazz pan flute festivals. Hmm. We have pretty well covered things that are happening with the Moody Blues yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about your solo LP now. Yeah, sure. And this <coughs> is the third one for you? Second one. Uh, well, this is the second solo. Of course, there was. if you count Blue Jays, then it's three. But this is the second solo album. I don't. And, of course, the War of the Worlds thing as well. You're the only one. <laughs> it's a duet. It's not a solo album. It's kind of in between. What do you try to do different on solo albums that you don't do with the Moody Blues, if you try to do anything different? Well, I, I do. I mean, the songs, the songs that I write for it, are basically the same. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make a difference between a Just Hayward solo song and a Moody Blues song. They're the same things to me. I hmm, interesting. Record the songs that I've written most recently. Um, I think the biggest difference with Night Flight is the style of recording. With the Moody's, we usually do what we call recording blind, where we just uh, have a song, say, and apply it to the other guys, and then um, we work it out in the studio. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Night Flights, we we pr- really prepared everything up front. And uh, as much of the arrangement was written down as we could think of, and it was an excellent way of working. In fact, the latest <laughs> things we've been doing with the Moody's in the studio. Prepared versus unprepared. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be that fine line in there. Yeah. There's got to be room for that spontaneity and the adrenaline that comes from that. Right. You know, great things can mm-hmm. come out of that. Yeah. More towards that style, and it leaves a lot more space for the vocals. The vocals are done a lot early on, and um, to, so to bring that voice 
through, you know. Sometimes the criticism that's been levelled at me in the past is that I've tended to over-record and make a huge sort of blanket backing track and mm-hmm. try and squeeze the voice on top somewhere. But this time there's plenty of space and the voice was recorded very early on in the session and things were done to complement around the voice. What mm. about negative reviews? Does that bother you, Justin? Um, <coughs> fortunately, Night Flight didn't get any negative reviews. It's got good reviews all the way around. Mm, so I'm perfect, John. Yes, why, why the yeah. fuck did you ask why that question? You, why would you question my perfection, you asshole? <laughs> but, um, no, I think... Uh, you, even if nobody comes to your concerts and nobody buys the record, if you do what you believe is right and you believe in it, then you'll always have that peace of mind. You'll always say, well, I believed in it, you know. And whereas it's worse if you do, you say, doing something for a commercial reason and uh, something that you may not believe in. I don't know whether there's quite that satisfaction if it's a success. If you Which I heard him say is how he felt initially about uh, being a part of that uh, War of the Worlds project for, mm. and, the, and the song uh, Forever Autumn came out of that. Oh. Initially, he didn't want to get involved in it because of the commercial aspect right. of it. But he got talked into it, and he says he's glad he did. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all Try are. Try to engineer it around a particular sound or a trend, you know. Let's say this. Let's say Justin Hayward uh, had not had a lot of success with the Moody Blues and had not had a lot of success with the past solo efforts and, yeah. the, and the War of the Worlds thing. Yeah. And the record company <coughs> came to you and said, well, Justin, man, you're just not cutting it. And <laughs> we'd really like to keep you on the label. And the only way to keep you on the label is if you produce us a top 40 hit. Yeah. Would Justin Hayward say yes? That's very hard to do because, like, I've had a lot of top 40 hits, but you can never plan them up front. They're, they're just records, and some some catch on as, as singles and some don't, you know. Mm-hmm. The strangest ones catch on. I've never... We spent... I remember after Nights in White Satin, you, you may know it, actually, there was an album out that none of us were too happy with a couple of years ago called Court Live Plus Five, which was a very bad live concert that we did in 1969, mm-hmm. and we never intended it for release, and but it was put out. And I think I might have that at home. Really? Yeah. It mm. was five tracks on the back of that album, which was the Plus Five. It was called Court Live Plus Five, which were five attempts that we made to actually make a top 40 type of single record to follow up Nights in White Satin, because mm. everybody says... You've got to have another one of them nights in white satins, you know. Like, mm-hmm. And we ma- made five attempts at it. None of them gave us any real satisfaction when we recorded them at all. Huh. And you can't do it that way. You have Those things happen by lucky sort of accident. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in trying to plan them. Hmm. So then the I'd answer would sti- be no. The answer would be no. I'd have, to, I'd have to stick by my guns, you know. Okay. Yeah. Let's listen to the title track off the new Justin Hayward solo LP. That song is called Night Flight. And that's also the name, again, of the LP. This is 95FM. Disco period was popular back then. Yeah. You're tuned to KC95 Real Rock Radio label. for St. Louis and in the studio. <laughs> That's what we did back then. People got people would call and jump on you if you talked over the end of a song. Oh, or, it, yeah, the it's, it's happened to me with CDs. Yeah. Justin Hayward and the Moody Blues. Justin is here in town to promote his new solo LP. And the name of it is Night Flight, and the song you just heard was Night Flight. And the horns sound a little different with your voice, Justin. Yeah, that's right. It's an interesting arrangement, you know. It was a fascinating song to do that, Night Flight. I've never really worked with horns before. Mm-hmm. And there's two numbers on this album, this and a song uh, called I'm Sorry, which have got a lot of horns on. 
and it was a great session. It really was. I really enjoyed it. You know, there's one of those few recording sessions I've been to when, because horn players are pretty aloof kind of people. They're a, they're a special breed all unto them. Unto when themselves, you say horn you know? players, what do you mean? Well, anybody plays, you know, like sax or trumpet or trombone. Oh, horn players. Horn players. Well, I thought I you said home. I'm sorry. Horn. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, horn players. My hearing was going back then. Wow. wow. That was only 20. Well, you still have it, though. Only 23 years old. <laughs> right. And they're a pretty unique bunch of people. It's you that know, southern accent, you know. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> More humor. <laughs> what else is going on? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> and anyway, it's one of the first sessions I've ever worked with with brass players. Let's play. Let's call them brass players, where they've actually come into the control room and and dug it, you know, instead of listening for a playback. Usually they just do the session. Thanks very much, and see you next time, you know, and go home. Uh-huh. But, but these guys actually came up to the control room and had a listen. I was not out. It seems to me that horn players, brass players... Brass. I was here at St. Louis. Horn. Horn players. You got it out, didn't you? Yeah. I didn't get rid of ARs over ORs until, I guess I was about 30. I don't think my father ever did. <laughs> I don't think he Never ever did. Never figured it out. No. Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't my care. Mom, my mom, too, to this yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, and instead of corner, she says Connor. Connor. Go around the corner. Hmm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Are somewhat difficult to control because you get a guy in the studio with a horn and, you yeah. know, he just goes at it and, and right, keeps yeah. on going. you got to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, uh, you know, can I sing? Well, there was one, uh, I don't know whether you remember, but on the Octave album there was a guy um, that I had in to work on a couple of my numbers called Bobby Martin, who is um, a brass player. He works with a band called Orleans. Sure. And um, we were doing one thing on a song called... Um, top rank suite and we worked that out and fine and then he, he said well I'd love to hear the other stuff you're doing so I said sure and I played him a song that we done called Driftwood mm-hmm. and he said oh he said listen he said I'd just like to just play along with that for pleasure so he went into the studio and we set a mic up and he played sax uh, along with it and it was ace the first time through it was absolutely fantastic and anyway we, we had the red light on and we took it you know oh, and um, at the end of it he said well he said maybe I could do something proper on that and I said you just did it <laughs> you know let's just leave it like that the inspiration was right there straight off the top of his head some of them are very... Um, a lot of brass players, you know, think they they should be into jazz and they don't get off much on rock and roll records. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, it's a fascinating instrument to play, you know. Really. I have to listen to that song again and listen for the sax, now yeah. that I know the story. Uh, yeah, yeah Driftwood, mm-hmm. he said. It was Ace. It was a song. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. Ace. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Justin Hayward, and we'll talk more with him after these words. Hey. Levi's moving on jeans for guys with a fashion. <laughs> yeah, guys with a fashion. Progressive, what's happening now, jeans? Levi's moving on jeans. This is Casey Radio. We're back. It's kind of cool to hear those old commercials. Yeah, I wonder it? if they were bell bottoms at all. Yeah, yeah, they were probably. Yeah. yeah. Justin Hayward, he's in the studio with us. Really tight. Mm, of course. Yeah. As we have the Moody Blues and solo Justin Hayward efforts for lunch today. Uh, the Moody Blues, and you did a lot of writing, obviously, for the Moody Blues, and you do all the writing for your for your new solo LPs. When you wrote for the Moody Blues way back when, you you never really wrote about things that were happening that at that time. You wrote about different things, positive things, as opposed to all the negative things that were going on. Yeah. And today you write about night flight, and you write about the things, again, that don't necessarily 
fit with what's happening today, which is good because I think you need that release. What do you feel about that? Well, I, I feel. I'm, hmm, what did I mean by that question? I have. I I, where were you going with that? I have no <laughs> well, idea. Well, I think as I was saying that he's not topical. Oh, that they are topical. They yes. write about mysterious things mm-hmm. and things that are kind of out of the uh, the normal realm of of life. You feel a duty to the. I should have asked that question. Yeah. Well, now you can I rephrase said, it. Hey, Justin, can you come back in 2022 and I'll be able to rephrase this question and get it right? Of people that I'm writing for, I'm aware of the audience that I have because, as we said before, I get so many letters from them and I know what, I know what kind of people they are. Mm-hmm. And um, in the old days, we had a lot to shout about. We didn't make any money for an awful long time. Mm-hmm. You know, we got ripped off very badly. And we really had a lot to say and a lot to to shout. And uh, we went through a lot of sort of religious and even psychedelic experiences as as a band. And I th- hmm, psychedelic experiences. What what does that mean, Justin? Now, really, I make music for people who want to listen maybe late at night to an album, you know, and can put it on, play it right the way through, and they want to be taken away and uh, entertained, you know, and. Um, it's a relief. For not knowing the question, he answered it. <laughs> he sure did. <clears throat> An escape kind of thing. Uh, I don't really want to beat anyone over the head with it anymore. You know, I've got, I'm very much in love. I'm writing music. I'm in love myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing music for people that are in love. I mean, it may sound corny, but um, it, it means something to me, you know. And um, those are the kind of people I want to write music for. Do you take a different approach today than you did 10 years ago? No, no, I don't really. I, I've never really tried to analyze how you write a song. I think that's dangerous. I just try and let it let it flow, you know, because it's, it's it's a marvelous, it really is a marvelous experience. It's better than dope or meditation or anything, songwriting, because it's something from nothing, you know. It's something yeah, I, I can't imagine doing it. It's a, To me, it's a gift. Somebody has a gift to be able oh, to write to, a song. Oh, to write a song? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Didn't exist before. It's a creation. You create, yeah. And the feeling afterwards when you've written a, a good song, you know, what will you consider to be a good song? You know, I just walk around in the middle of the night for hours afterwards saying thank you up there, somebody, you know, because mm-hmm. it's such an exhilarating feeling. When did you know that you had talent enough to make <laughs> records <clears throat> and to become somewhat of a, a success in the music business? I, I, I believed that. I mean, everybody wants... I was a professional musician when I was 16, as soon as I left school. And I left school at 16, and I was straight into the music business then. I was a professional guitar player with a rock and roll singer in England right then. Mm-hmm. And But from the age of about nine, as soon as I heard Buddy Holly, and he was it for me, and then, I, and then from, from there on, I thought, that's, this is, that's exactly what I want to be. I want to be a songwriter and a singer and a guitar player. And uh, you convince yourself that you've got the talent. So you, first and foremost, you have to believe in yourself. Exactly. Because, um, you know, if you don't, it shows. And there's, if there's a flaw in it, people will, will spot it and point it out, you know. Now, you, keep in mind, this was live on the air. This is a mm-hmm. long interview on the air. Mm-hmm. But also keep in mind that at this time, the Moody Blues were superstars. They were. It was having, a big deal. Yeah, having this guy in the studio was a big deal. Yeah, it yeah. sure was. And it changed the thing. If you had to do it all over again, you'd do oh, it the yeah. exact same way. Exa- exactly. Oh, yeah, sure. What were some yeah. of the high points of your career, the 13 years that you've been with the, the movie? Yeah, we're talking like he's been doing it for like decades, you know. Mm-hmm. 13 years back then seemed like it's such nothing. a long time, yeah, but it's really it's nothing. nothing. It was a blink of an eye in terms yeah. of their careers. I think the first high point really was in, in 1967 when we played the Fillmore West in San Francisco for Bill Graham. I think that yeah. I th- really thought then, cool, we've, this is a great scene, you know. They've got going here and we're part of it uh-huh. and part of that whole sound and that whole music. 
And I think which I think is torn down, doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Fillmore West. Probably the next one was uh, ambitions are funny things. It's hard to say that your ambitions because you you know what it's like. You have something that a goal that you set yourself, and then when you reach it, you don't even re realize you've reached it and gone past it. You know, mm -hmm. you don't even think about it when you're doing it. But um, another great moment when it really came home to me was at Madison Square Garden in New York. We did two shows there. For the first time we played there was in 72. And um, we don't, between shows, I was sitting in the dressing room and it suddenly hit me where I was. You know, this is Madison Square Gardens yeah. and there's 28,000 people out there who come to see us. And uh, it really came home to me. And I can remember it so clearly sitting in that dressing room looking into my suitcase, mm. you know. After you reach highs like that, when you go to other cities that may not be as big as New York City, that may not have a Madison like Square Louis. Garden, do you? St I think the Moody Blues were always really mm -hmm. well received here in St. Louis. No, I, yeah, yeah, they were, but oh. not as big as it was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You have the same electric oh, yeah. feeling in your blood. You do. You can never tell really until you get up on stage what kind of gig it is going to be. You know, sometimes you go into the hall in the afternoon and you think, "Oh, this looks like a real dump," and you're not <laughs> really sort of looking forward to it. But when you get up, walk out there, and you see those people. And like they're only they're only there for one reason. There's nobody that wants that's going to come to boo you or throw anything. You know, mm -hmm. they're there because they want you to do it for them. They want you to perform well. They want you to sing, you know, and soar and reach the heights. And um, you get that feeling straight back from them. And uh, there's been very few gigs that I can remember that I haven't really enjoyed. We're speaking with Justin Hayward in the Moody Blues, and he's joined us for lunch today at KC95. Let's hear some more Blue. Well, I am having <laughs> the second time I couldn't say the name yeah, of the band. Yeah, how funny is that? We're a rough time with the name today. More Moody Blues on KC95. Well, you're only 23, Jim. Yeah, I was still learning. Yeah. Sure, 23. This is KC95. We're speaking with Justin Hayward today for lunch, as we also listen to Moody Blues music and Justin Hayward's solo music. More with Justin after these. Dress this is KC95, and oh, wait, i got to say this before I continue with the interview here. I'm anxious today. Specially priced tickets at 6 and $7 are on sale at Backstage Records, Spectrum, All Three Peaches, Co-op Records, Wonder what show. Lame Duck... Hmm? Wonder what show? I don't know. Records, the Keel Box Office, or call dial ticks, 5690500 tickets for Eddie Money. And one other quick thing Money. here... Six or $7. 1980. Wow. Yeah. His first album came out, what, 78? Yeah, he was popular by yeah. then. Yeah. I think it was just two years since yeah. his first album. I think his first album was 78. Could be wrong. 77, 78, something like that. Get your licks at the Ice Cream and Arts Festival. Three full days of fun, lots of arts activities, and ice cream delicacies. Labor Day weekend, Laclede's Landing. Good old Lewis. Well, that hamburger went down quick there, Justin. Yes. Just a quick inhale. Very nice. It's gone. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, we're really running out of time fast here. I can do this five, six hours <laughs> a day for a week. Hamburgers are not something that they normally would eat in England, right? Especially back in those days. There were, totally. Yeah. But I remember being in Paris, and we asked the guy who drove us to the Eiffel Tower, like, you know, what's your favorite American food? Hamburgers. Yeah. <laughs> I'd get tired of it. Is it still fun for you, Justin? It's a pleasure, yeah. If it wasn't fun, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. You, you know, still get excited it. about getting on stage and going in the studio? Oh, yeah. Do you still have yeah. to practice? I, I, I'm a compulsive guitar player, so I practice anyway. I mean, I do it for pleasure. Mm -hmm. I play guitar for fun. Not right now, because I haven't got a guitar with me, but all the time I'm at home, I've always got a guitar, and I've got a beautiful collection of guitars, actually. I love to collect them as well. And I play for my own pleasure, you know, just and for my own therapy and relaxation. For hours and hours and hours, I bet. Yeah, I just enjoy it, you know. Like some people read, you play guitar. Yeah, that's right. 
As you look back over the last 13 years, I asked you yeah. if you would do anything different already. Mm-hmm. You Don't ask that again. For that question. But as you look back at the, the, the past 13 years, what do you think? He might have been smoking. Did you hear that? Uh, smoking or he was sighing. Yeah, like, oh, when is this thing going to be over? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> think of yourself as, as a person, how you changed since, you know, that first Moody Blues record or the first time you picked up a guitar, if you want to go that, that far back. I, I used to be pretty cocky, I remember that, you know, and uh, he used to tell a lot of people where to get off. And I think with experience and time, you, 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 know, you know, you learn how to handle people in the right way to handle yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, also being in a, in a band is is kind of like that anyway. It makes you a bit that way because, I mean, um, a band is like brothers, you know, and it's like we're, we're like Moody's are like family, you know. And um, I think there's there's a certain rules and a certain language within a band, and it, and it's good for you, you know. And you learn a lot about life just being with other guys, just like the pack, you know, like the wolf mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. instincts, you know. And traveling around the different countries, you play all over the world. I think that I've has been to most have an places. effect also, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Well, I keep coming back to I mean, I keep coming back to England because I love it, mm-hmm. and I feel comfortable there. I write easily there. I can make records easily there, and mm-hmm. um, so I always I always go back there to live. The only place I haven't been is South America, and uh, I think we're due to go there next year. Are you? Yeah. That seems to me like that part of the world gets ignored quite a bit. Yeah, it does. Mind you, they're pretty crazy. I mean, um, um, Patrick, our keyboard player, is um, is Brazilian. And, I mean, they've got inflation there of 120%, would you believe? It's absolutely incredible. Amazing. And there's been always been a lot of trouble, problems with records and the music business. A lot of people never got paid out of South America. They very rarely pay any royalties. Mm. But mm-hmm. um, we're putting together a deal now where it should be okay because I know that there's people there who want to see the band. When you first came to America, America was real good to you, weren't they? Oh, yeah. It really was. Better than, better than Great Britain. I mean, we, we slapped up and down the M1 in England, you know, for years without anybody really taking much notice. And I think our success in Great Britain is really, was really a bounce back from America. All they suddenly started reading it in Rolling Stone and the Melody Maker about the Moody's in America. Mm-hmm. And the British people became aware of the band really through America. Critics back then, when you came to America, were they saying it's the second coming of the Beatles and, 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 and well, kind of compared you to the Beatles? We were from that same era, and we mm-hmm. did get compared. I mean, we used to copy the Beatles and everything we, they did. You know, we formed our own record label just after Influences, they formed... you can't help it. Yeah, that's right, just mm-hmm. after they formed Apple. And um, we always looked to them and, uh, you know, for leadership. Mm-hmm. But... Um, in, in the early days... Yeah, their record label was Threshold Records. I remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know... I don't know. What was, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> People compare you to the Beatles when you first came to America. From, from We were talking about you coming to America. Well, in the, in the early days, really, of us in America, we were kind of, kind of an underground band. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people loved us because we had that particular tag on us. You know, we weren't, there was never sort of moody mania week or anything like that, you know, and it was never an instant success. It was a very long sort of slow success story, which I think helped us adjust and uh, maybe we didn't fall into the same traps in the end that the Beatles fell into. You know, it happened very quick for them. When you look back now, it was, it was, they were only really together for six very short years. Really, really. exactly. When you look at the music scene today and what's being put out today, Mm -hmm. What do you think? I'm very proud of Great Britain because I, th- I still think, I hate to hope I'm not upsetting anybody, but I still think that Great Britain right now is leading the world in, in music. Because power pop was a big was mm. a, a thing that was happening right in that time period. Yeah. You know? Some of the stuff that's coming out of there is so strong. Mm-hmm. And, um, Punk. 
I think punk was, you know, punk was a few to, years earlier, but yeah, but it was yeah. starting to really take off and mm-hmm. and become a, a force in the music business. But it goes in cycles like that. You know, next year it'll be America. Something new will happen here, mm-hmm. and kick it along. I think it's always healthy. I think I thought the whole new wave thing was very healthy. To be quite yeah, honest, new wave, you know, new, power new pop, wave. new wave, that's a similar thing. It came at a time when the business needed a good kick up the backside, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what it got. And it's brought music back to the young people again, which is, you know, which is where it's where it all from. started. That's yeah, right. Really. What do you see in the future for yourself, Justin? Um, well, like I say, we're doing a new Moody's album right now, and that sh- that should be finished about the end of November. We'll be touring here with the new album, which should be out sort of beginning of March. So we'll be here. I should think March, April next year. Mm-hmm. And we're still waiting for Stanley Kubrick to ask us to do his, the music for his new film. Uh-huh. And we're, we're still out here, Stanley, if you're listening. <laughs> but uh, And um, I, I'm do also doing a concert of the War of the Worlds. That's, we're doing a week in a London theatre in May of next year mm-hmm. um, with the War of the Worlds as a whole audio kind of visual, visual sort of evening on stage. And uh, hopefully I can um, be part of that when it comes here, too. I think that would be a, a unique kind of show. And um, like I said, we've got a week in London planned and a few other cities in England. And hopefully we can bring it to America. Sounds like you keep busy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good luck to. to you. And I tell you, it's been a, it's been a blast having you in the studio. Like oh, I said to you off the air... Uh, Back when Seventh Sojourn came out, my brother and I listened to the tape every day, every day, every day. I had no idea I'd be sitting here eating steak and shake with you someday. Oh, so I was, was going to say, right. the hamburger probably that he had was a steak and shake yeah, hamburger. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'd like to say thanks all to all the people from around St. Louis who write and everything, and the letters get read. And um, hello to all my friends in this area, and thanks for everything. Fantastic. Justin Hayward, take care, and uh, you're going to Atlanta right now, you That's said? That's right, yeah. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you when you come to good old St. Louis with the Moody Blues. Great. All right? Me too. This is uh, another song off the LP Night Flight, Justin Hayward's solo album. It's called Another Face in the Crowd on KC95. Thank you very much, Justin. My pleasure. Somebody threw up in the bathroom! <laughs> That'll be a dollar nine. Come on. This is KC95, doing the best that we can to bring you the best of old and new music on 95FM. You just heard an hour and 25 minutes of the Moody Blues and Justin Hayward live in the studio and on record. And uh, the name of the new Justin Hayward LP is Night Flight, and we'd like to thank Justin Hayward for stopping by KC Radio today on his quick promotional tour, stopping at uh, a few cities around the U.S., and St. Louis happened to be one of them, and we're very proud to have had him in our studios today. Lunch was brought to you by St. Louis Photo. All right. Well. Ooh, that was a long one. That was a uh, long donger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow, man. You know, I was at the end there when I was talking about Listening to the Seventh Soldier and album over mm-hmm. and over in seventy two, seventy three with my brother. That was one of the few albums that we owned. We we didn't, you know, you just didn't go to the music store, record store at the drop of a hat. You know, mm-hmm. we, we we took we took public transportation when we traveled in the city, or we were on our bikes. One of the right. two. So to get to a record store was a big deal and have an album. And we played the hell out of that thing, and it just brought back that memories of sitting in that bedroom on Eighteenth Street, mm-hmm. my brother and I, with our little That's neat. our little. Uh, turntable uh, thing set up there and, and just digging the shit out of that album. And yep. then here I am talking to the guy. 
Just, it's uh, crazy. Awesome. I know you have you had one of those moments. Yeah, it was yeah. weird. Yeah. All right, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, STLUman, and on Instagram, I'm Johnny Hewlett. Uh, Favaz, I'll see you. AMF. Bye. The KC Tapes with you, man, and Favaz. For more on the history of KC, go to KC95.com or the KC mobile app.